You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Be able to preach here and be a part of this church and just being with the teens and like the reason why we've seen the Lord do a work with the church and um, with the teen group and the impact that we've seen is not because of me and Hannah whatsoever. It's because we're in the will of God, and you know we have a heart and a desire, a desire and a burden, you know, for the teens of Elk Point, and uh, I'm just very thankful for the Lord calling me here. It's a blessing, and it's weird to think about because, um, you know, a week ago I went and preached to Watertown, South Dakota, and they had a lot of plans for me there, and um, you know, whole radio thing, and we're still moving forward with that, but. Um, with my experience in radio, you, you would think that that would be the thing for me, right? So I'm going to Watertown, I'm going to, you know, take over the radio station and build it up, but that's not what the Lord called me to do. And I walked out of there knowing, man, like, I miss my kids, you know what I mean? I miss my teens, and um, it's just a real blessing because I, Hannah and I, like, we say this a lot, but it goes, my love goes Hannah, the kids, and then my family, like, and that's the honest truth because the Lord called me to be um, their youth pastor and their youth leader, and I love them so much, and um, I just can't, you know, thank you guys enough for letting me do it and just the opportunity to be here, and I just love you guys so much, so thank you. We're going to be in the book of James today, James chapter 5, James chapter 5, and I preached a message similar to this one about a few months ago, I think a while back, probably four or five months ago, four months ago around there. Um, I'm going to be preaching it uh, a little bit different here, kind of a continuation of it. I focus primarily on the first verse in my text verse, and today I'm going to be focusing on the last two verses. It's going to be James chapter 5, and we're going to be starting on verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruits. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this evening, Lord. Thank you so much for saving my soul, calling me to preach. I love you so much. And, man, I just ask that you just speak through me, Lord. Be with all of us here tonight, Lord. Help them have open ears and open hearts. And me as well, Lord, help me get something out of this message and help them. Um, and just help us focus all on you, Lord. Help you get all the glory. Help it not be mean whatsoever, Lord. Just cleanse me from sin, empty me from self, and help us rely solely on you and look at your glory, your presence, Lord, and I just thank you so much, Lord. You're my best friend. You're my Savior. You're my King. You're my everything, Lord, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, there's one thing that I love more than anything in the world, and that's preaching. I love preaching more than anything in the world. It's my favorite thing to do, and I love to study it. I love to read commentaries on it to be able to preach these messages. It's my favorite thing, hands down, without a shadow of a doubt. And one of my favorite things that's Involves that is talking with Brother Jesse about preaching and about preachers. We talk about that a lot, and it's a blessing because Brother Jesse is kind of a kind of a big big deal in North Carolina, so he knows a lot of preachers, and he um, he always gives me preachers to listen to on a weekly basis or people to check out. And somebody 
some preachers that I wouldn't normally listen to being in the Midwest, and I love it more than anything else to hear a preacher, listen to him for a couple days, hear him preach, and then go back to Brother Jesse and talk about the message, talk about the person preaching, and have him say, oh yeah, you know, Brother so-and-so, you know, Dr. Tommy Wenzel, his church prays for us on a daily basis. He prays for us on a daily basis. So Brother Whittemore, Harvest Baptist Church, they pray for us on a weekly basis. Yeah. And nothing thrills my heart more, nothing gets me so excited than to hear that. Amen. Than to know that there are people, there are preachers, there are righteous men, righteous women, prayer warriors that are praying for our ministry, praying right. for me, praying for us on a daily basis. Amen. It thrills my soul. It gets me excited. It gives me confidence Amen. knowing that people are praying for me. People are praying for me today. It released, me, it released my fear. It took it away. I'm nervous a little bit, but it's a lot. I got a lot of confidence in it as well because I know there's people praying for me. Because it's a great thing. It gets me excited. It thrills my soul so much. When I preached at Harvest Baptist Church last Sunday, I can't tell you how many text messages I got from you guys saying that you were praying for me. I was so nervous. I was nervous like you would not believe. But once I got those text messages, man, I got confidence. I got excited. It thrills my soul. It gets me so excited. And you can say, Michael. Why does it get you so excited? I know being a um, people praying for you, I know it's a nice thing. I know it's good, right? It can make you feel a little bit better. But why does it get you so excited? Why is that the key to your ministry? Why are you able to do what you do? And why are you so confident in that fact that, um, that when people pray for you, things are going to get done? Why, why is that? Well, we find that answer out in verse 16 of James chapter 5. The Bible says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It gets the job done. Amen. It signifies strength. And that's what I'll be talking about here this evening, the prayer of a righteous man and how it availeth much. Amen. All right? So the prayer of the righteous man. There is nothing more powerful than the prayer of the righteous. That's something that we have to keep in mind. Nothing more powerful. It's Good. more powerful than every bomb, every weapon in this world. It is the most powerful thing that us as Christians can handle. Amen. Think about it. We are talking to the creator of the worlds, the God of the universe, the very God that loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, the God that knows the number of hairs on your head. Yes. That God, we can talk to him on a daily basis. We can connect with him right there like that. It availeth much. The prayer of the righteous man gets me excited. Amen. It gets me happy. And now notice on uh, verse 16 of James chapter 5, we see something about that. Notice it says, the term availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now this term signifies to have strength, force, or efficiency. Efficiency. It gets the job done. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to get excited. It really gets the job done. Oh, brother. We see things all the time. Answer prayers. Ralph coming in. That's an answered prayer. Amen. We see this all the time. I can't tell you how many times we see prayers get answered on a daily basis in this church. It's because we have righteous men and righteous women praying for specific things. It gets me excited. It thrills my soul. Now notice what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Amen. James 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things. Yes. Great and mighty things. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The love of God, the, the praise of God, the prayer to God, man, that gets the job done. It signifies strength. Right. It availeth much. Now notice now, we see in James chapter 5, verse 16, that the prayer of the righteous availeth much. He tells us that. We can take it. We can rejoice about that. And I can close my book right now and be done with it. 
But James doesn't do that. God takes it a step further in verses 17 and 18, and not only tells us that the prayer of the righteous man availeth much, he also tells us, he also gives us an example of a righteous man praying. He gives us an example of that, and that is Elijah. Look at verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rains not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So right there, we see a respected man. Right? A righteous man, obviously, but he also gives us a respected man that knows how to pray. Yeah. Now, Elijah, he was a great man of God. He did some great things for the Lord. He stopped the rain by prayer. He brought the rain by prayer. He raised a boy from the dead. He sent fire down from heaven. He literally got all the false prophets to recognize that his God was a true God. This right. man was awesome. He was a respected man. Yeah. He was a righteous man, and he did some great things for the Lord. But notice now, Elijah, this legend of the faith, Elijah was not a respected man until he prayed. Mm -hmm. The first time we hear Elijah in the, spot, in the scriptures is 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. You want to know what that story is? The story that we just read in verse 17, where he prayed and stopped the rain. Right. Before then, we never hear of Elijah. He was not a respected man. He might have been a righteous man then, but he was not a respected man until he prayed. God could not use him until he prayed. If Elijah did not start with prayer, the other miracles would not have taken place. Yeah. And that's something that we need to realize for ourselves. Amen. We do not move forward. We do not avail it much. We do not get the job done if we are relying in and of ourselves. Yeah. The only way we can get it, the only way we can see the Lord do a work in our life is if we pray. Right. Elijah prayed, yes. and we saw the miracles. Elijah yes. prayed, and he became a respected man. He Amen. did some great things for the Lord. Mm -hmm. You are not going to accomplish what God has for you if you don't start with prayer. We need to start with prayer. Amen. I like what John Bunyan says. He says, you can do more than pray after you prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Mm. We need to pray. We need to start off with prayer. Yes. And we see that. It's the prayer of a respected man, Elijah. He's a great man. It availeth much. We see him doing a work. But notice now, it's not just because he was a righteous man who prayed, right? That's not it. If you look at it and you look at his prayers a little bit, you realize that there's a pattern involved with that. He had a way of praying, a way to make it availeth much. And so for a few moments this evening, I want to look at that a little bit and look at the pattern of Elijah's prayers. He prayed a lot in the Bible, a lot in scriptures, and um, I think every single one mimics these three things that we see here in James chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. So first off, the pattern of Elijah's prayers, we see that Elijah prayed energized by the Holy Spirit. Energized by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17. It says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So notice now, verse 16, it says, effectual fervent. The words effectual fervent in that verse is where we get our term energy from. Energy. Effectual fervent. The energy of his prayer. Yeah. Not the energy in and of ourselves. But a righteous man's energy is relying on the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's energized by the Holy Spirit. So we see the righteous man energized by the spirits. Elijah did that exact same thing in verse 17. Verse 17 says, He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed earnestly. You look up that term in the Greek, the way it was written, and it literally means that he prayed in prayer. 
he prayed in prayer. And now for some of us, we might not really know what that thing's prayed in prayer, what is that? But when you read the scriptures, you know that whenever you see the term in used in the New Testament and throughout the scriptures, you know that it means something. You know that you need to pay attention to what it's talking about. You see, that term in means something in the Christian life as well. It means being in a fixed position, inside a circular sphere, surrounded by something that is not yourself. You're putting your trust in something and letting that circle, sphere, something that's surrounding you, take hold, do the work. That's what he was doing. He's putting his faith in the spirits. He's energized by the spirit. It's not him doing it. It's the spirit working through him. He prayed in prayer. That term means something for us as well. The only way we're going to be able to see the Lord do a work in our life is if we are praying in prayer, is if we are walking in the spirits, we are in Christ Jesus, because that's the only way we're going to get the blessings in heaven. Because yeah. the Bible says all spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. All spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means every single blessing that you will ever have from now until eternity, every single blessing that could ever happen to you from now until the end, they're all in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Those blessings are right there. The only way we can get those blessings, though, is if we get them, is if we're up there in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because when you're in Christ Jesus, you can have those things. I, can see, I like what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says, you take away the in Christ, you take away all spiritual blessings. Mm -hmm. You take away the in Christ, you take away God's involvement yes. in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, we've got to be in Christ Jesus to get our prayers answered. We've got to be walking in the spirits, and we've got to be praying in prayer. To, to, to notice just how great that is and to realize what we have in Christ Jesus and how it's not in of ourselves and, and of Christ Jesus. I like what Dr. Tommy Wenzel talks about. He gives an illustration on that, on the preacher and the fly. I gave that to my kids this last Sunday school, so I wonder if they paid attention to see if they noticed. But the preacher and the fly. So Dr. Tommy Wenzel um, started talking about this big-time preacher. Right? He was this preacher who preached many different revivals all across the nation, and he went on the plane, would go to California, to New York City, to Texas. It didn't matter. This was a big man of God, and he preached a lot. So he gets on this plane, and he goes on the plane kind of a lot when he preaches, and doesn't really pay attention, and <coughs> starting to look at his notes, getting ready for the service tonight, starts praying a little bit, and so all of a sudden he looks up, and the plane took off without him noticing, and he was 10,000 feet in the air. And as he's doing that, he's like, oh, that's weird, right? I just took off, not really thinking anything of it. And then he sees something in the corner of his eye. And in the corner of his eye, there was actually a fly on the woman that was sitting in front of him. It's a fly buzzing around, you know, walking a little bit. And the preacher looked at it and kind of tilted his head a little bit and was like, what on earth is going on here? How did that fly get 10,000 feet in the air? That fly could not reach that high without being in the plane. It dawned on him. He was like, that's the only way that fly could have reached that high is being in the plane, yeah. right? So that's the same thing with us. The only way we're going to be able to reach heights, the only way we're going to be able to do some great things for the Lord is not if we're trying to fly it ourselves because we can't reach that high. We're just like the fly. We're little. We're itty-bitty. Right. But when we're in the plane, man, we can reach, reach heights that we never thought possible. 10,000 feet in the air, that fly was. That's what we have. When we're in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, when we're praying in prayer, we, when we are walking in the spirits, we can see that our prayers availeth much. We can see that they are effectual and they are fervent. And man, we can bring glory to God. Amen. The prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And that's what Elijah did. Elijah prayed energized by the Holy Spirit. We also see that Elijah prayed with a goal in mind. That's number two. He prayed with a goal in mind. He prayed specifically. Look at verse 17. It says, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. 
that it might not rain. It's not he just prayed. It's not, uh, Lord, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, nothing like that, right? It wasn't just him praying vain repetitions. No, he had a specific prayer in mind. Yeah. He prayed specifically that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed specifically. He prayed for something specific, and that's what we need to do as well. We talk about that a lot, but we really need to pray specifically. Yeah. That's why we have a prayer list. We need to remember the things that we're going through. That's why sometimes we need to make a prayer journal to see the Lord answered our prayers. I love doing that, looking at some journals that I used to write and saying, man, that prayer was answered. That prayer was answered. That prayer was answered. If I wasn't praying specifically, I would not know that. Right. Those prayers wouldn't get answered. We need to realize that. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, ye have not because ye ask not. Yeah. That's talking about specific prayers, specific things to ask for. Ye have not because ye ask not. So that's what Elijah did. He prayed with the goal in mind. He prayed energized by the Holy Spirit. And then number three, we see that Elijah prayed in line with the word of God. In line with the word of God. So now during this time, during this time, the, the Israelites um, were kind of getting involved with the Canaanites a little bit. The Canaanites kind of got them to believe in the false idols and the false gods during this time. And so what did God do? God stopped the rain. It was by the prayer of Elijah that God stopped the rain. And it was the reason why is because the Bible talks about that in Deuteronomy that, hey, if, if, my, if, my, if my children, if my people start worshiping false idols, start worshiping false gods, I'm going to stop the rain. Yeah. He said that. He also says that in 1 Kings chapter 17 before it happens. He's going to stop the rain. Now, the Canaanites believe that Baal controlled the rain. So it even takes it a step further there. So what did the Lord do? All right, I'm stopping the rain. Yeah. The Israelites were worshiping Baal. All right, I'm going to show you that Baal did not control the rain. I Amen. control the rain. Cool. They did it in line with the word of God. He did it in line with the word of God. God said he would bring a drought to the Israelites, worship false idols, and it happened. Yes. Elijah's prayer didn't make God do something he hadn't planned on doing, but it brought it about. It was in line with the word of God. He wasn't making this stuff up on the fly. He knew what the word of God said. He prayed for it, and it got done. Yes. It got answered. That's what we need to do as well. That is the power of prayer. The secret is knowing what God intends to do. Knowing what God intends to do. How do we find that out? By reading the Word of God. Amen. By believing the promises of God. By knowing what God's Word says. Yes. As Christians, we need to know and believe the promises of God. That's the only way we're going to be able to realize it. Because real, think about this a little bit. We're Christians. We're saved by the grace of God. The Bible says that we are sons of God. The Bible says that we are a child of God. The Bible says that He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Bible says he's got, he's got promises for us. The Bible says that if we abide in God's word, we can overcome the wicked one. We can overcome temptations. We can overcome the wiles of the devil. I'm telling you right now, we can see the Lord answer prayers in our life as if we believe the word of God and as if we pray in the word of God, in line with the word of God. Know the will of God. It's really easy, to be honest. It's, it's so easy. It's laid out perfectly. Understand that. So I dropped my notes. Hold on. All right, let's see. But we need to realize that. So that's what Elijah did. Elijah prayed energized by the Holy Spirit. He prayed with a goal in mind. And he prayed in line with the word of God. That's the pattern of Elijah's prayers. But notice one other thing here, and then I'll be wrapping up. Elijah also prayed with passion. So we see the pattern of Elijah's prayers. But also I want to look at the passion of Elijah's prayers. Because he had passion, and a lot of it. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Chapter 18, verse 1. So 
So now during this time, Elijah was told to pray to stop the rain. The Lord came upon him in 1 Kings chapter 17 and said, I was going to stop the rain because the Israelites are worshiping false idols. And Elijah was like, all right, he did it. And then the Lord said, go hide thyself. Go away, go hide. And so for three and a half years, he hid during this time. For three and a half years when the drought happens. And a lot of stuff happened in between that for the sake of time. I'm not going to get into it very much, but he was hidden. And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, we see him come about, come about again. Look at verse 18. It says, or verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came unto Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So he was waiting for the Lord's call, for the Lord's cue. Go show thyself, bam. Go hide thyself, bam. 1 Kings 17, go hide thyself. 1 Kings 18, go show thyself. Yeah. He did it. He was like, all right, the Lord's going to bring the rain. I believe it. It's in line with the word of God. It's going to happen. He prayed. The rain came. But I want to focus on more of the passionate prayers that he had. We looked at the first prayer. We looked at the second prayer and how he brought the rain and he stopped the rain. But I want to look at a couple, at a couple of prayers in between those two. All right? So during this time, he was, at, he was gone for three and a half years. And everybody believed that Elijah was the reason why he stopped the rain. Elijah was the reason why the rain stopped. Right? So during this time, he runs into Obadiah. Obadiah, he talks to Obadiah, and Elijah's like, all right, buddy, go tell Ahab I'm coming. Obadiah kind of freaks out, scared a little bit, but he ends up doing it. And he kept, tells Ahab, they get the whole thing set up. Elijah's there now talking to Ahab. It's kind of a climactic moment a little bit. The person that stopped the rain for three and a half years, this evil person is now talking to the king Ahab, this evil man on, the, on a spiritual sense, and he thinks he's evil, he thinks he's evil, just kind of a bad situation. And notice what Ahab says to Elijah here, though, in verse 17. It says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? So right there we see Ahab, man, he's blaming it all on him. We go on to see that Elijah's like, it's not me doing it. Again, this goes to the will of God and in line with the word of God. Verse 18 says, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed, followed Balaam. So right there we see that it wasn't him praying in and of himself. It was him praying in line with the word of God. It happened because the Bible said that if you worship false idols, I'm going to stop the rain. And that's why it happened. That's what happened there. So we see that a little bit. That's going back to in line with the word of God. Now, but look at the passion involved here. Let's look at, I'm going to read a few verses here, um, a good amount of verses actually, but let's just look at the story and the stuff leading up to his third prayer. Verse 19 says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel into Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullets, and let them choose one bullet for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of the your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, as a well spoken. So right there we see the prophet's challenge. All of these prophets, all of these 
these prophets, these 450 men against one Elijah. And it's like, all right, first person to set fire down from heaven. If Baal sends fire down from heaven, man, he's a true God. If my God sends fire down from heaven, he's a true God. But he already knew in 1 Kings chapter 18 that God was gonna God was gonna deliver him. He knows what the Bible says. This is talking about the rain, but regardless, he knew that his God was gonna come through. He had so much confidence in that. Let's keep on looking now. Verse 25, and it says, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one of the bullocks for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call in the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given to them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them, and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing. Or he is in a journey, or peradventure. Oh, he's sleeping, and needs to be awake. Kind of mocked him. There's nothing wrong with mocking people when it's in line with the word of God. Keep that in mind. And it came to pass when midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as wood, containing two measures of seeds. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar and filled the trench also with water. So think about that real quick for a second. He's sending fire down from heaven. But all of that, it's, the water's literally overflowing completely. But he's sending fire down from heaven. That's how much confidence he had in the Lord. He's saying, man, I'm going to pour this. I'm going to have this be so soaking wet that it's got to be the most powerful. It's got to be a lot of fire. It's got to make an impact. they got to know that my God is a true God. He had that much confidence in the Lord. He had that much confidence in the word of God. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that, thy, and that I am thy servants and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Then, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Wow. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the book of Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. There's thunder. The rain's about to come. We find out that Elijah brings the rain with another prayer. But notice that real quick. Elijah prayed with the goal in mind. Elijah prayed in line with the word of God. He, again, is talking about all of those same things, all the same pattern that we see time and time again with Elijah. He prayed in that way. Now notice the passion, though, as well. His third prayer, we see the passion involved. Elijah's passion was strictly to bring glory to God. That's it. That's what his passion was from start to finish. Strictly bringing glory to God. 
Look at verse 36. It says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servants, and that I have done all these things at thy word. It was bring glory to God. He's saying, I don't want anything. I want them to know this day that you are God of Israel. You are the God of the universe. And I, I just want you to have all the glory. I don't want it to be me at all. I'm my servant. Help them know that I'm nothing. I'm a weak little servant. I'm a slave. And you are my great God. He's saying, I want God to have all the glory. That's the first step. And one of the reasons why the prayer got answered. That passion involved there. Elisha's passion was to bring glory to God. We also see a desire there as well. Notice, we see that he wants to bring glory to God. But this next thing is something that we all need to have as well. A lot of us are all for bringing glory to God, right? But then sometimes we still let our selfishness get in the way. But notice his other desire here. Elijah's desire was for souls. It was for souls. Look at verse 37. It says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Hear me, so these people know. So these people know. That's something that we need to know as well. We need to have a desire for souls and say, Lord, let me be the man that you called me to be, the woman, the, the church member, so people can know that there is a God, that people can know that there is a God that loves them so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for their sins, and that if you trust in them, if that they trust in them, they have eternal life. We need to be praying for that and know that. We need a desire for souls. We need to have a passion to bring glory to God. That's what Elijah did, and that's why the prayer got answered. Amen. We see the passion involved there. We see the pattern involved there. And now notice one other thing here, and then I'll wrap up. Elijah was not praying with a selfish attitude, but with a servant's attitude. Amen. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servants. Yeah. No selfishness involved there. It was a servant's attitude. It was a surrendering yeah. attitude. Elijah surrendered all he had, and that's when God started answering his prayers. Amen. He surrendered. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1, we see the Lord answer. The rain comes. The rain stops. He surrendered. He surrendered his will. He was not relying on himself and his selfish ways anymore. He's saying, Lord, I'm following you wherever it takes me. Whatever it is, I surrender all. That's when we see the Lord start to work in his life. That's what we all need to do. Prayer is surrender. The only way your prayer is going to get answered, it's not just being a righteous man, it's not just being saved, it's not just following the pattern or the playbook that Elijah had, it's surrendering your will completely to the Lord and knowing that if you surrender, the Lord's going to do a work in your life and the Lord's going to answer your prayers. Yeah. Prayer is surrender. Surrendering to the will and cooperation with that will. we got to be cooperative with that. But notice now, so just to put it into perspective a little bit, in the eyes of Elijah and in the eyes of us as well, think of it this way. If I throw out a boat hook and catch the hold of the shore, and I pull on the shore, do I pull myself to the shore, or me? Do I pull the shore to me or myself to the shore? So when I cast a hook out there, I get the shore. If I start pulling, I'm in this boat. Is that shore going to eventually come to me, or am I going to come to the shore? I'm going to come to the shore, right? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. Amen. It's all about surrender. That's right. We need to surrender all. And I'm telling you right now, surrendering first off is for these Christians. Surrendering to what God has in store for you. But if you are not saved, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have one surrendering to do before all of that. And that's surrendering to the Lord, believing that you are a sinner and your sin has a penalty. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is hell. But let's finish that verse. For the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift of God is surrendering your will to the Lord. 
is calling upon Jesus. The only way you can have that, the only way you can experience the blessings, the glory of God, these answered prayers, is if, for one, you know Christ Jesus as your Savior. So please, trust in the Lord today. If you know that you haven't done this, if you do not know with 100% confidence that you are saved by the grace of God, I tell you, please come today. Surrender all. Trust in Jesus and know that if you trust in him, man, you're going to have heavenly blessings. You're now a son of God. You're a child of God. And you are cleansed from all of your sin, all the bad things that you went through, all the sin that's tearing you inside out. I'm telling you right now, if you trust in Christ, it's gone. You're cleansed from all sin. Amen. That's such an amazing thing. The Bible says that thou shalt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy hearts that God hath raised you from the dead. Yes. Thou shalt be saved. Being saved is surrendering your will to the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you right now, trust in Christ. If you are not saved, surrender. If you are a Christian walking on your selfish ways and yourself, surrender. And that's when you can see the Lord answer prayers like he answered Elijah's. Amen. Amen. Wow. Let's all stand, please, and we'll be dismissed in just